Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Communist Book Club podcast. On this episode, we're joined by Gianluca of Soviet Tours. Soviet Tours is a Berlin-based tour operator focused on off-the-beaten-path destinations across the globe. And we're going to learn about the group straight from the source. Gianluca, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Kyle. Thanks for having me. I'm doing fine. And uh, so I hope you do. Well, thank you so much. I was following your account over on Instagram this past summer. So when I got a message from you, I was very, very excited to pick your brain and learn a lot more about the business. Right off the bat, could you give us, straight from your mouth, some words? How would you describe Soviet tours to people? Could you give us a little bit of scope as well on the size, like how many people you work with, and just general vibes like that? Sure, Kai. So basically, Soviet tours is, um, in its form, uh, is a, a tour operator, uh, you might say it's a tour operator um, like many others in its, uh, um, let's say, in, in the way it works. So basically we sell uh, tours to different countries um, for visitors coming uh, from abroad. So the mechanism is uh, very similar to other tour operators. What's the biggest difference, however, are in the content uh, and in the destinations we offer. First of all, because we travel to destination most people don't even uh, think about going to, um, like uh, some uh, uh, obscure countries of the former Soviet Union, Turkmenistan, for example, or Chechnya, or the autonomous republics within the Russian Federation, like the Republic of Kalmykia, the Republic of Altai but also countries outside the former uh, Eastern Bloc, like uh, Afghanistan and uh, Iraq. So that's the first big difference and uh, unique thing about uh, unique thing about Soviet tours is the destinations we offer. And secondly, uh, it's the content and how we do the tours, which is, um, especially in the former Soviet Union, is a strong focus on uh, two main uh, topics, two main, uh, we'll say, leitmotifs, one is the Soviet heritage in the sense of uh, architectonic, artistic, and um, cultural heritage uh, of the Soviet Union. So everything that concerned the legacy of the USSR. And our second main uh, leitmotifs is local culture. We try to interact as much as possible with local people and learn as much as possible about their culture and traditions uh, with a strong focus on ethnic diversity in the former Soviet Union. I think that's absolutely wonderful. It's so, it makes me feel so good to see that there is a group focusing on those countries where I think so often uh, with, with the media, with, with the way news is presented, we can think of them as, well, I guess I should say they're just not keen destination spots for most people. Some of those countries you mentioned People may not even know that they are able to go and visit. So I think that's really, really special that you're giving some attention there. And from your website, I saw that you do more than just tours for personal individual stuff. You also uh, assist businesses. Is that right? With helping them interface with local customs. Yes, that's uh, absolutely right. I mean, the former Soviet Union is an extremely complex uh, geopolitical uh, um, macro region. Um, with a lot of uh, different countries uh, uh, in it. 
And that means a lot of different rules, uh, regulations, uh, and uh, cultural and economic landscape. That is uh, a challenge for uh, not just for travelers, but also for organizations and business uh, uh, wishing to explore opportunities in this area. That's why we are here to help, because we know the former Soviet Union quite well, and we have an extensive network of local contacts, local contacts, fixers, translators, uh, consultants, uh, but also drivers, uh, guides, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, whatnot. I mean, we are, um, we have really, I would say, a network of people that goes uh, from the very top to the very, uh, I wouldn't say bottom, because that's not the bottom, but from uh, the business uh, uh, elite to the simple driver, to the simple taxi driver, mm -hmm. we have an extensive network of uh, contacts uh, in all fields of the society in the former Soviet Union. That means that we are able to help uh, both with uh, smaller things and with much bigger businesses. That's a very unique perspective to give to that, uh, or I should say, maybe maybe unique is the wrong word, but it's a very, very powerful strength having those connections uh, to make the tour so smooth, I would imagine. One of my trepidations when traveling anywhere abroad, one of the reasons I, I don't often do so, is the language barrier that presents itself. And as a guy that has very little Russian under his belt, I think that would be one of my first obstacles in looking at traveling that area. Uh, but what I'm getting from your site and what you've presented here, you actually have um, the ability to facilitate a wonderful expedition for people that it sounds like you're really going to get to talk to the people there. You're going to get to experience the local culture in a way they maybe couldn't if they just made their own trip or adventure. That's correct. I mean, uh, um, to be honest, uh, and I say this uh, against my own interest, these countries, uh, you, can, you can travel to these countries also on your own. There is nobody forbidding you to travel to these places on your own. However, as you mentioned, if you don't know the language, it's really hard to communicate because English is not so widespread in the former Soviet Union, outside of the biggest cities. But even in the big cities, uh, it's not common to find uh, fluent English speakers. Our guides, on the other hand, uh, are all uh, fluent in English and can intermediate between you and the local people. They can act as translators, and they will act as translator when uh, you're going to meet the locals uh, on a daily basis at the grocery markets, uh, at the, uh, on the streets, uh, when we visit, for example, university. We always seek for contact with people. Mm -hmm. uh, nowadays, with the pandemic, of course, it's a bit harder, but before, in a, in a pre -COVID, uh, in the pre-COVID world, uh, that was uh, always our goal, to seek daily contacts with the people, to go to the schools, to the university, to the markets. Uh, and we always plan these kind of stops during our tours. That's really wonderful. And it, it kind of starts to answer another question I had. Uh, on the podcast here, one of the largest reasons I'd say I started it was that in the West, specifically I'm in the United States, we... I grew up with a lot of anti-Soviet or anti-Eastern Europe uh, propaganda in our lives. We 
it's it's it came with a very not so great lens. And I've been spending the last decade learning from obviously abroad, learning from a distance, the culture, the history, the heritage, and having some distant roots of my own that are Eastern European. I am wondering how your tours do interface with the people. You've kind of talked about going out and visiting some markets and universities and things like that. Uh, is Do you see that breaking through some of that stigma and some of that lens? And, and do you witness that from maybe some of the people that come to your tour group? Definitely. I mean, um, usually when people book a tour with us, uh, it means they already have overcome uh, at least uh, some of the fears and stereotypes mm -hmm. they have about the destination. Otherwise, they wouldn't book a tour. However, there are uh, cliches and bias that, of course, uh, are much harder to overcome unless you travel to, to the place uh, the stereotypes are about. And when people are traveling to these places with us or even without us, but I'm specifically talking uh, about our tours, of course, they see a reality that is completely different from what they have imagined or maybe from what they've been told. Uh, about. I mean, uh, uh, often uh, we picture a place uh, not on, on, on based on our personal knowledge, but basing uh, our um, uh, imagination on, on what we are told about that specific place. And when people actually reach this place on our tours, they find a completely different reality, as I was saying. Right? They find that uh, these are countries mostly made out of welcoming people, very curious people. There is uh, the, this stereotype that most people over there are very suspicious about Westerners and especially Americans is not true. Uh, people are actually very, very open and very friendly with Westerners and Americans too. And uh, yes, and it's, uh, it's a blast. It's just a blast. I think it's similar uh, when you travel to destinations um, like uh, Muslim countries, which we also do. A lot of Muslim countries are in our portfolio. And you realize that the stereotypes that you have been told about all your life are quite far from the reality. I have to echo that sentiment. I think that's, that's very, very important. Uh, with that being said, I would love to talk uh, about ethical tourism for a moment because your website does a really great job in your FAQ of outlining it. Brought up some questions that I, I guess hadn't even formed into words in the back of my mind, but they were things floating around uh, when you think of tour groups. What does it mean to do an ethical tour, e even in a pre-COVID world uh, w when you didn't have to worry about spreading anything? But what what does ethical tourism mean to you and your group? Yes, we are talking about, unfortunately, about the pre-COVID world. Nowadays, it's, um, we, are run, we are still running uh, some tours at the moment, but of course, uh, the percentage of trips we are doing now is much lower than what we did before the pandemic. We hope uh, that uh, by, by May or June this year, we could restart. So I can answer definitely of what we were doing before in terms of ethics and what we are going to do again as soon as the travel bans and travel restrictions will be lifted. For me, 
doing an ethical tour, um, there are two, uh, two main aspects to consider. Where, one is where the money flows, where the money goes, uh, the money that is generated uh, from tourism. I think ethical tourism means that the money um, flows and goes to the people, to the local, and not to, the, to a massive uh, um, apparatus like uh, a big, uh, um, I don't know, let's make an example, uh, it's much easier. So for example, if we, you travel with us, you're going to stay in local hotels, um, eating at local restaurants, uh, um, using our guides, we're local freelancers over there, and they work with us. Uh, uh, on an assignment basis, so you're really going to finance with uh, uh, with your booking, with your tour, uh, a grassroots industry, a grassroots industry of local people working in tourism. On the other hand, um, if you're traveling and stay in uh, huge uh, uh, tourist villages or uh, up uh, or big uh, uh, hotel chains, uh, um, most of your money is going to go actually to the uh, CEO of these uh, big hotel chains, of these uh, um, large uh, networks of uh, touristic villages and resorts. Uh, uh, so, of course, there are local people working in them. So I'm not saying that they are not Pro, there is no profit uh, also on their side, but it's much, much less than what you will do if you will travel uh, and stay in contact with the local population. And the other aspect to consider is to respect the local culture. And that's why I think it's very important to get to know local people. What I really don't like uh, speaking about resource, uh, resorts. So first of all, when you're going in these uh, upmarket resorts, uh, as I say, the most of your money actually goes uh, to the big CEOs and the big owners of these uh, uh, networks. But even, even, even if we don't consider this uh, this aspect, uh, there is also the aspect about the culture. So when uh, you are closed in your compound, in your hotel, with your cool swimming pool, you are not experiencing local culture. You are basically going. Uh, like a colonialist in a country without really uh, mixing with the local people, without uh, really giving anything back also from your side, because you have to remember that dialogue, interaction with the local people is uh, a win-win situation, both profit of the exchange, not, not just you, that you're going to learn a lot about the local culture, but also the local that is going to learn about you, about the reasons why you're there, about a little bit about your country. So that's what, what I consider ethical, to um, improve the interaction between people and to, uh, yeah, to, that's, that's our main focus, let's say that. that that's very powerful. I, I noticed, again, when I was reading the FAQ, I absolutely love what you just said there about avoiding the, the compound, overly corporate-driven colonial approach. Uh, very, very popular in people going down to Mexico over here from the U.S. Uh, you know, they go down to a resort city that it's not the real people. And like you said, it can harm the local communities in terms of draining money into the wrong bank account. So I love the idea of actually talking to the people, dining at their establishments, 
and um, having that real cultural exchange because that is, I, I think that's what helps us all grow as people. As as we said previously, it helps you see past any previous biases you had and and learn something new. So I, I love hearing that from you. Absolutely, exactly. Wonderful. And you know, Kyle, uh, I think uh, even uh, from uh, an egoistic point of view, even from a selfish point of view, uh, if you just think about your own interest, it's even uh, one reason more to uh, choose uh, uh, not to stay inside a compounded resort. Why? Because as you say, the, the people, the local people working and living around there don't represent the reality of the country. And especially their hospitality is kind of contrived. Mm -hmm. They really see you like a big walking wallet. Whereas if you exit that compounded reality, you will find a welcoming country that welcomes you without wanting uh, really anything back. Most people uh, in uh, areas that are uh, outside the mainstream tourist areas are just welcoming for the welcoming sake. I mean, they don't ask or pretend or expect anything back. Um, and that's even better for you because you experience uh, genuine hospitality. Whereas in this kind of resorts and compounds, uh, the hospitality there, of course, it's everything top-notch, but that's just because they see you as a as a consumer, as a customer, not a, not as a guest. That's the biggest difference. Yeah, very much like a theme park style thing. You're, you're paying for your exactly. admission and you get on the ride and then they push out the door sort of thing. Um, I, which, again, to me, is not really tourism, is it? That's just, uh, I guess, in the strictest definition, but you're, there's no exchange of, of deep culture. So I'm very, very, very glad to see your business pushing well past that and, and really focusing on the connections. So as we wrap up our interview today, I have just some last questions on personal flair and what you see people interested in. First of all, could you tell me what are some of the places that you find your clients most attracted to? Is there is there a specific region you get the most bookings for? Anything that stands out? Yes, definitely. So there are two or three regions uh, that stands out. That stand out. First of all, the Caucasus uh, mm -hmm. as a wall. As a uh, so the Caucasus, as you know, is composed uh, by many different countries and regions. Uh, the main countries are Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan, and of course Russia. But then inside these countries, there are a lot of different. Uh, geopolitical uh, uh, regions and uh, um, administrative units and autonomous republic like Chechnya, Dagestan, and so on. It's a very complex region, but it's also very fascinating. Landscape-wise is amazing. Culturally-wise is just how striking because it's so diverse. So you have to think that uh, it's a region that is roughly the size of uh, Italy, and yet, uh, more than 100 different ethnicities uh, are living uh, uh, in, in this area of the world, uh, stretching uh, between the Black and the Caspian Sea. So culturally-wise, it's just uh, amazing. And that also reflects on architecture, food, uh, tradition, rituals, religions. It's extremely diverse. So that's, very, uh, that's a very popular destination. And then another one is... Um, Siberia, 
especially the southern side of Siberia, so where, uh, where the mountains are. That means the Republic of Altai and Tuva, very close to the Mongolian border. Also, for the same reason, ethnic diversity, rich in culture and landscape-wise, uh, breathtaking landscapes, breathtaking natural sceneries. And as a last destination, I would say uh, one of our three top destinations is, uh, um, I would say, uh, Ukraine and uh, some of the Eastern European countries like Belarus. Uh, they are also quite popular, especially among European travelers, because they are relatively close and affordable to visit. That's fantastic. So I think my very final question for you, which is also one out of a, a selfish uh, cause here. Do you help folks if they don't know exactly where they want to go? Will you help folks determine a location if, if they give you some uh, general interests? Can you help uh, locate some landmarks and, and regions you suggest people visit? And if so, what might be a, a top landmark for folks? Um, definitely, Kyle. You, ex you, you, you have just explained it, what's the process so sometimes with uh, certain clients. They give us uh, some uh, ideas and interests of what they might like, and then we suggest them a destination or a couple of destinations. And once we agree on a destination, then we design a tour for them. Uh, we work indeed with a lot of private clients and we customi customize tours for them. Uh, private tailored tours, uh, bespoke trips uh, are our speciality indeed. For example, to understand the second part of your question, uh, you, you asked which kind of landmark you asked? Uh, sure. I said, is there is there any kind of Soviet landmark, maybe something you'd recommend for first-time people that are going out to visit? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Now I see what you mean. Um, yeah, exactly. That's the same question that comes often from my clients. Uh, they say, they tell to me, if it's my first time in the former Soviet Union, what is the place that I mm -hmm. shall definitely see? I mean, exactly. what, the, what is the must-see yes. for, for a, for a first-timer? Then I... I would definitely recommend uh, Volgograd, which uh, uh, in the past used to be called Stalingrad during World War II. And then also for, for, the, for the famous landmark, the, mother, uh, the motherland cults, this huge uh, statue. And then also I always actually recommend the Caucasus because uh, it's a mix between uh, um, different cultures, but there is a, a, a lot of Soviet legacy still present in it. I usually don't uh, um, recommend Moscow or St. Petersburg, but not because they are not interesting, but because they are an obvious choice. I mean, if you right. are coming to me, if you are writing me, that means that you are looking for something else than Moscow and St. Petersburg. I mean, I love Moscow and St. Petersburg, and they are full of culture, Soviet legacy, and landmarks. But they are kind of obvious. It's like if you're asking me, tell me a secret tip or something uh, different. Or uh, In Italy, I wouldn't recommend you Rome and Florence. I would recommend something that you, you need me uh, to, to, to find out. Otherwise, uh, Google is a much better place for... <laughs> I love it. Gianluca, that's a wonderful answer, truly. That really encapsulates it. So Volgograd continues to be on my list, and I would absolutely be honored to go out there through your your group in the future. Let us hope that COVID is is tackled quickly, swiftly, and that your business can get back to doing what you do best. Gianluca, thank you again for taking the time out of your day. 
to come on our podcast and and talk to us about what it's all about and that is the people and thank sharing you. culture thank you to you kyle and uh i hope to have you on board on our tour soon and yeah let's hope for, for not just for us but for the whole world that this pandemic is gonna go away soon and yes thanks again it was a pleasure to talk with you well i look forward to catching up with you sh- soon Luca. you have a good safe rest of your day and a huge thank you to all the listeners out there we will have links to the soviet tours in the description of this episode you can find them on all of their social media platforms. Until next time, everyone. Bye-bye.